you haven't already done so, open your Bibles to that passage that Sam read for us. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. As we saw last Sunday, the early Christians, the, these, this group that had been brought to faith in Jesus Christ through the Spirit-empowered ministry of the apostles, that this group had devoted themselves to the prayers, to those regular hours of prayer that were observed by faithful Jews. They, they were no longer participating in the, the temple sacrifices, but they still went to the temple to pray. And that's exactly what we see at the beginning of this passage. We, we see Peter and John going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That is the, the ninth hour from sunrise, about three o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John go to the temple to pray. And as they are going to the temple, they encounter a man who had been laying at the gate to ask alms of those who were going in. He had been laying there because he couldn't get there by himself. He, he was lame. In fact, he had been lame from birth. And so he was dependent not only upon the generosity of those who would give to him as he lay there, but upon his friends who would get him there that he might ask. And you can imagine that many of those going into the temple would have avoided looking at him all together. They wouldn't have wanted to make eye contact because they didn't want to have to engage him. They didn't want to have to give him anything. And so when Peter and John see him and when they look at him, the man immediately expects something. He expects that he is going to receive from them some gift, some small token of mercy that he might have enough to buy his daily bread. But what I want us to see this morning is that his expectations were far too low. Because what was his expectation? His expectation was that he would receive a few coins, that he would receive a little silver and gold, that, that he would receive probably not much, but some spare change. That he would receive enough for him to, to buy a meal or maybe a, a cloak to wrap up in at night. Just enough to, to make ends meet. That was all that he hoped for. It's all that he asked for. The idea that these two men going into the temple to pray, the idea that, that they might be able to offer him more, that they might be able to offer him healing, that they might be able to restore him to health, never entered his mind. And I am convinced that there are many today like this lame man. There are many today, even in the church, who expect nothing more than a few coins. Nothing more than, than just enough to buy their daily bread. Nothing more than, than just the basic necessities of life. I see it even in my own heart. What is it that I want from Jesus? What is it that I, that I want Him to, to give me? What is it that I ask for? I want a good marriage. I, I want a, a, a peaceful relationship with my wife where we can delight in one another and spend time together. I want, I want the same for my family. I want us to be able to enjoy good meals together in the evening and to, to play a game or to, to watch a show with, with peace and with enjoyment of one another. I want pleasant friendships who I can hang out with and, and enjoy a good time with. I, I want fulfilling and an enjoyable work that I can do that, that makes me feel like I, I have I've spent my day well and I can be satisfied. I, if I'm honest, I, I want plenty of the world's 
comforts. I want the food that I enjoy eating. I want the clothes that I like to wear. I want the toys that I like to play with. And I want the time and the leisure to be able to use them. These are the things that, that I think about. These are the things that I desire. These are the things that I set my heart on. These are the things that I think God's blessings will look like. These are the things that I ask for. These are the things that I have set my heart upon far too often. But what I have to remember is that when I set my heart on these things, I'm setting my heart in midair. I'm setting my heart upon a mist. I'm setting my heart upon a vapor. It's not that these things are bad. They are not. They are, they are God's good gifts. These things that we, we long for, these things that we desire are, are good things that God Himself has created and God Himself has, has called good. It is good to have a pleasant marriage. It is good to, have, uh, to enjoy time with your family. It is, it is good to have friends. It is good to have work. It is, it is good even to have material things to enjoy. These are God's good gifts. They come down to us from above. And, and Paul instructs us to receive them with thanksgiving. We are to be thankful. We are to rejoice in the good things that, that God gives us. It's not that they are bad things. But they are vanity. They are vapor. They are mist. They simply do not have the substance in and of themselves to satisfy. They do not have substance in and of themselves to, to fulfill by themselves. We can have all the good things in the world and they will leave us empty and hollow and hungry. To, to use Augustine's language, they will leave us restless and discontent. It is that false belief that these things can satisfy that I think is the, the origin of the so-called midlife crisis. We didn't invent the midlife crisis in the 20th century, but certainly it came into its own. Because for the first time, many, many people actually had a choice what they were going to do in their life. For the first time, the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, became a real question. People no longer just assumed that they were going to do whatever it is their father had done. They didn't assume that they were just going to join in the, their father's work. For the first time, they had options. For the first time, they, they began to dream. For the first time, they began to, to think about what it is that would be fulfilling, what it is that would be a good life. And they began to set their heart upon whatever that vision happened to be. Whether it was career, whether it was athletics, whether it was relationships, whatever it was that they hoped for, they, they began to run after these things. They began to pursue the things that they thought would fulfill. They began to pursue the things they thought would satisfy. And it was in that pursuit that they became disillusioned. It was in that pursuit that they encountered disappointment. And that is the midlife crisis. You have, you have done everything you were supposed to do. You have checked all the boxes. You have followed the path. And yet, somehow, you still feel empty. You've done everything that you were supposed to do, and yet somehow you are still restless and, and discontent. That is the midlife crisis when people turn from, from one pursuit to another. We, we, we think of the cliché of the, the, the middle-aged man in the red sports car. But this is not limited to men. This is for all of us, men and women alike. We, we set our hearts on, on a certain life. We set our hearts on a certain vision of the, the good life. And we pursue it. And we, we work for it. And we go after it only to discover that it doesn't meet our expectations. Only to discover that it doesn't live up to what we were after. 
And so we turn, but so often we turn from one broken cistern to another. We turn from, from one vapor to another. We turn from one thing that cannot satisfy to another. We need to recognize, we, we need to, to realize that we were not created to find our satisfaction in the pleasures and the treasures of this life. By themselves, they are a mist. By themselves, they, they lack the substance to fill. And so we need to see that, that we were created for something better and that Jesus actually offers us that something better. Jesus offers us something better than the lives that we have set our hearts on. He, he is willing and able to do more than to, to give us stuff, to, to give us good things here and now. What Jesus offers us is health. What Jesus offers us is, is healing. What Jesus offers us is life as it was supposed to be. And that's the second thing that I want us to see here in this morning. Notice again, verse 6. Notice again what Peter says to this lame man. He says, I don't have what you're asking for. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter then took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong and leaping up he stood and began to walk. You can imagine the scene. You can imagine the, uh, the amazement of those who were, were there. They, this man who they had seen lying by the gate of the temple year after year for he had been lame since birth. This man who had been there for as long as anybody could remember. This man who had never moved on his own was now walking and leaping and praising God as he entered the temple. You can imagine the wonder and you can imagine the, the amazement. But what I want us to see this morning is that this miracle is more than a mere wonder. It is that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. We'll, we'll talk more about the, the, just the, the supernatural wonder of what took place here. But what I want us to see this morning is that this miracle is more than a wonder. It is more than a, than a supernatural display of power. This miracle is a sign. It is a sign that points beyond itself. It is, it is a sign which gives us a picture of what is to come, of what lies ahead. It gives us a picture of the full salvation that God has in store for His people. Just as Jesus' miracles pointed forward, so now also the miracles of the apostles point forward. Whether it is, it is the feeding of the 5,000, which, which displays the fulfillment that we will have in Christ, or the, or the calming of the storm, which, which displays God's power to overcome all threats and, and hostilities against His people, or whether it is the healing of a lame man, which displays God's power to restore us to health. These miracles point forward. They, they are a picture of what God has in store for His people. And so when we see the lame man healed, when we see this man restored to health, we must ask ourselves, what is the health that Jesus has for us? Because in this lame man's healing, we are meant to see that our expectations are too low if our expectations are merely for the good things of this world. 
God has something more for us in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he commands us to rise up and walk. He commands us to regain our health, even as he gives it to us. And so what is this health that Jesus has for us? What is this this health that we can be restored to? I've told you that the the good things of God, even the best gifts of God, even though they are good things in themselves, they are vanity because they lack the substance to fulfill. They lack the substance to, to satisfy. But remember what Paul said when he was thinking about the new resurrection life that we have in Jesus Christ. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, those things done in the name of the Lord, those things done for His glory and for His kingdom, those things are never in vain. It's that same word, that, that same word that the author of Ecclesiastes uses when he, when he says everything is meaningless, everything is vanity, everything is vapor, it lacks substance in itself. Paul says that what is done for the Lord is never missed. What is done for the Lord is never meaningless. What is done for the Lord never lacks substance. You see, we were created to serve the Lord. We were created as image bearers. We were, we were created in His image to image Him. We were created in His image to, to reflect Him, to, to be His representative here in creation, to take dominion in His name, to, to build His kingdom and to serve His purposes, to be agents of His good. It's what we were created for, and it is that vocation, that calling that was lost when our first parents rebelled, when our first parents were were tempted to to eat the fruit which they were commanded not to eat, they came into a position of futility and and of frustration and of vanity where they could not do those good things that they had been created to do. They lost that power. But God did not see fit to abandon His creation. He did not see fit to leave us in that sin and misery But He chose to redeem us and to bring us back to the life for which He had created us. And this is why Paul can say in Ephesians that in Christ Jesus we are His workmanship. Created to do those good works that He has prepared for us to do. You see, in Christ we are raised to new life that we might walk in newness of life. We are are made new that we might live a new life, that we might do those things that previously we could not do. In Christ we are restored to the life for which we were created. In Christ the image of God is restored in us that we might again image Him to the praise of His glory. It's exactly what we see reflected in the first question of our, of our catechism. Our, our catechism tells us that our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's what we were created for. It's, it's what we were made for. We were made to glorify Him. But do you see that His glory and our joy are inextricably linked together? It is in glorifying Him that we enjoy Him. It is in glorifying Him that we find our fulfillment. It is in glorifying Him that we we fulfill that purpose for which we were created. And that is a picture of the health that Jesus has for His people. You see, this lame man, he, he could not walk. He could not work. He, he could not do the, the ordinary things of life. Because he was lame. 
We may not be lame physically in the same way. Our, our bodies don't work quite the way they're supposed to anymore. But, but we're not lame in the same way. But all of us share His ailment in our souls. All of us, apart from Christ, are not only lame, but dead in our trespasses and sins. Incapable of doing those things for which we were created. Incapable of living the life we were created to live. But in Christ, God makes us who were dead in our trespasses of sin alive together with Him. He makes us alive that we might live the life we were created for. And that is the full salvation that God has for His people. It is not just more stuff. It is not just the good things of this earth. Though they be good, what God has for us is something so much better. He intends to restore us to health. He intends to set us free that we might again be His image bearers in this world. You see, far too often we set our hopes far too low. Our hopes, our, our desires are, are, are for the good life as we think of it. Our, our hopes, our desires are for the American dream. We, we want stuff. We want health. We want good and fulfilling work. But God has something better for us. Something better than, than the American dream. He intends to restore us as image bearers of His Son. He intends to, to restore us to health. That we might live the lives that He created us to live. In our foolishness and our, our blindness, we often think the American dream looks better than God's plans for His people. But thankfully, God does not give us what we want, but what He wants for us. Even as this blind man, this lame man, knew not to ask for, for healing, but asked only for alms. God was not limited by His request, but God acted to give him what he knew he needed. What he didn't even know to ask for. This morning, many of us here, we lack the the silver and gold. We, we lack the, the, the alms. We, we lack the, the good things that we think will make our lives complete. Some of us are, are, are enduring uh, brokenness in our marriages. There's a, there's a stress between us and our spouse. Others of us are, are, are in families that have been fractured by, by stress and by, by strain and by, by sinful choices. Others of us are, are in work that we do not enjoy or at work that doesn't really pay the bill. Some of us don't even have work at all. Still others are, are looking for friends that they, they simply can't seem to find. They don't have the relationships or they feel cut off from them because of the, the current pandemic. Others of us are struggling with bodies that simply don't work right. We, we, we've been in, in poor health for as long as we can remember. And we're tired of being tired. Others of us are racked by, by fears and anxieties that we don't know how to, to handle. So many of us have deficits. So, so many of us are, are lacking good things. And we think if we could just get our hands on those good things, if we could just get the job that we wanted, if we could just fix our marriage, if we could just fix our family, then, then we would be satisfied. Then we would be fulfilled. Then we would be happy. But we must recognize that those things, though they are good, 
They are not God's ultimate good. And though they are good, they in themselves do not satisfy. Apart from Him, those things are merely missed. Apart from Him, those things will, will merely leave you restless. Because it's only what's done in the name of the Lord that is not in vain. It is only what is done in the name of the Lord that has substance. It's only what is done in the name of the Lord that, that truly fulfills. And so our heart's desire should be not for the, the good, more of the good things of this earth, but for that restored relationship with Him that is health. That restored relationship that is life as it is supposed to be. We must learn to see Satan's lie for what it is. We must learn to see that, that, that these things are broken cisterns that hold no water. That life and health and, and satisfaction is found only in new life in Christ. What we need is to serve Him. What we need is to be made new, to be, be His workmanship created to do those good works that He has prepared for us to do. And that is precisely what He has given us in Christ. Because you see, if you are here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have received and rested upon Him, then you have been healed you have been made alive together with Christ. You are His workmanship. You may forget it at times. You, you, you may be nearsighted to, to forget what is truly yours in Christ. But if you are in Him, then His new life is in you. Like this lame man, you have been healed. Therefore, let us rejoice. Let us, let us walk and leap and praise God for what is ours and let us find our joy in doing those works that He has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Because in Jesus Christ, all of this is ours. You may not have all the good things that your heart desires, but in Him you have health. In Him you have a restored relationship with your God. In Him you have been set free from the, the vanity of your forefathers to live life as it is supposed to be. To live that life which is glorifying and enjoying God forever. And really that's our final point this morning, that this is ours in Christ. Remember again what Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, it is only in Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven. It is only in Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled to the Father. Therefore, it is only in Jesus Christ that we can have the life for which we were created. And therefore, if, if we've been searching for our life elsewhere, if we've, been, if we've been digging one broken cistern after another, if we've been looking for our satisfaction in all the wrong places, then let us return to Him again this morning. Let us remember what is ours in Him. And let us receive the good gift of health that God has for us. That despite whatever else we are lacking, we might use what is ours to walk and to leap and to praise God and to serve His kingdom and to find our true and eternal joy and glorifying Him today and for all eternity. Because such a gift is ours, because He has made us alive together with Christ, because He has set us free to live life as it is supposed to be lived, that is why we call this good news. Do you believe that? Amen.
Let us believe it together. Father God, we do rejoice in Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your grace. And we ask, Father, that You would open our eyes to the wonder of what is ours in Christ. We, we would ask that You would open our eyes to the wonder that, that in Him, we who were dead in our sins have been made alive. We who were lame have been healed. And Father, may we receive this blessing for what it is. May we receive it as the freedom to walk and to leap and to praise You and to find our ultimate and eternal joy in Your service. Father God, allow these truths to put down deep roots in our hearts and allow them to bring forth fruit in our lives to the praise of Your glory that we might be people made well in Christ and for His name's sake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.